pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. The war on drugs, and more specifically, the war on opioids, began around 2010. This is the time that the Centers for Disease Control announced that there were over 16,000 deaths related to opioids. That's a big number, but not all of those deaths involved opioids alone. And most patients with chronic pain using opioids therapeutically do so responsibly. In fact, a recent study in the Journal of the American Medical Association showed that less than 13% of nearly 136 thousand patients presenting to the emergency room for opioid overdoses carried a diagnosis of chronic pain. Unfortunately, the war on opioids is hurting patients who need them the most. Our first guest, Angelica, is an example of how the crackdown on opioids might have led to serious health consequences. She had a traumatic biking accident that knocked her unconscious, fractured ribs, and dislocated a shoulder. Surprisingly, she refused to go to the emergency room, fearing that she'd be labeled an addict, that her opioids would be taken away, and that her pain would be left out of control. Maya Solovitz is an author and journalist who's written about this war on drugs and how it's hurting pain patients. She joins us once again to sort through the facts about who's really becoming addicted to opioids, dying from overdoses, and suffering the most from the war on opioids. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Angelica is a 58-year-old woman with chronic pain in many joints and muscles of her body. She has a condition known as Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome that wasn't fully diagnosed until 2012. She's used opioids successfully for over 20 years to work, enjoy her marriage, and do things in life that make it worth living. Angelica, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. On our last show, you discussed what it's been like having persistent low back pain, sciatica, and painful muscle spasms, all from Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. You tried multiple pharmacological therapies, uh, physical therapy, and complementary and alternative medicine treatments without success. Oxycontin, which is sustained release oxycodone, and Norco, which is short-acting hydrocodone combined with uh, acetaminophen, uh, both of which are opioids, allowed you to work full-time, go out with friends, and remain active. Not too long ago, though, you had a serious accident. What happened? Well, I was riding my bicycle on a fire road, and it was slightly downhill, and I was moving at about medium speed Mm -hmm. when I glanced aside for a moment and just then hit some kind of a tree brute, 
and it sent me flying over the handlebars, head first, face down, right into the packed dirt. Wow. I was with my husband, luckily, mm-hmm. because nobody else was around, yeah. and I was unconscious for about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and then he managed to revive me, and we walked back to the top of that slope, and I rode back to park headquarters for a couple of miles. Mm. He got me to headquarters. I laid down a couch in the visitor center. And I just said, I do not want to go to the emergency room. Why not? Because I've heard so much about people having their pain medication routine interfered with or stopped due to the actions of somebody in the emergency room who writes into their record something about drug-seeking or anything, really. Yeah. It wasn't worth it. I said, you know, if I don't get my pain pills, my life as I know it is over. I just cannot risk that. Absolutely cannot. Well, I can understand that. And I think it's tragic that you decided to delay care in the emergency room uh, for extreme fears that the system would withhold a needed therapy for you. Absolutely. I knew that it sounded crazy and my husband understands my situation. Yeah. And he knows that I just don't see a feasible life for myself without pain meds. Right. Now, I know that you eventually went to the emergency room or or to urgent care. What did they find? I mean, what injuries did you sustain? I thought I was just banged up, but they found a broken collarbone and three broken ribs and a dislocated shoulder. I was quite shocked. Wow, I mean, that is shocking. And by the way, what about uh, a head injury? Because uh, you mentioned that you were unconscious for 15 minutes. I mean, did you have traumatic brain injury? I told them I was unconscious for 15 minutes, and maybe they thought I was just a little bit woozy for 15 minutes or something. I don't know, but they completely ignored it and focused on the visible damage. I'm sorry to hear that. When you ultimately went to urgent care, it doesn't sound like you have any problems, though, and I think in part that was due to the fact that your physician was there. Right, and I think it's because they had already looked at my chart. So as soon as they pulled up my chart, they would have seen a history of what I was taking and who had prescribed it, Mm -hmm. and it was one of their own doctors. So that's what the whole idea was, to go there because I had my records there. Okay, I mean, that makes complete sense. I know you needed surgery to repair the collarbone fracture. Did you have any problems uh, with respect to getting opioids for post-operative pain after you left the hospital? They phoned in a prescription, but the pharmacy wouldn't fill it. And it's weird because I got no feedback either. It just went away. Yes, it just went away. Angelica, who's prescribing your opioids for you? I mean, is it a pain specialist or, or a primary care doctor? Just the primary care physician. I was shocked mm-hmm. when she volunteered to do that. After right. I had problems with the other doctor, yeah. I thought I was addicted. Well, I mean, you're actually very fortunate. Do you think that the public's opinion of patients using opioids has changed due to the war on drugs? Absolutely. Everybody is terrified. I am on several of the patient support forums. Mm-hmm. It has to post seem to be related to this now. People who are just having their opioids taken away or the doctors just decide not to prescribe anymore and send them to pain clinics. Mm -hmm. And the pain clinics are so overrun, it takes months to get an appointment and people are left in withdrawal. I just, I can't believe doctors are doing this. I can understand that. On the other hand, I think many physicians fear DEA investigations, sanctions, and possible criminal charges related to prescribing opioids. Let's find out what the media's impact is on portraying opioids as evildoers. That's next.
I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical, actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back. Angelica, what's your take on the media's influence on the war on drugs and on pain patients and on opioids? The media has certainly spread these ideas about every pill is addictive. You mm-hmm. take one pill and you could end up overdosed down at the gutter. Right, And right. it's so unrealistic. A lot of us pain patients, we're trying to publicize ourselves to say, look, we're normal people and we take opioids and we need them. Mm-hmm. But with the media constantly blasting these stories of dramatic overdoses, it's hard to get people to listen. Very, very hard. Have you noticed that friends or family members have treated you differently once they've discovered that you're using opioids to control your pain? (laughs) Well, I did tell you my parents are old-fashioned European and tough types, Mm -hmm. and my mom had a heck of a hard time not calling me an addict. And only when she had to take drugs for pain did she finally understand why I do. Exactly. And Angelica, what have you learned about the risk of addiction in chronic pain patients? The addiction takes time to develop, and it's a craving that is in the person Mm -hmm. and not in the pill. Well said. I have a lot of patients today who feel completely isolated and just left out in the cold as a result of the war on drugs. I encourage anybody who has chronic pain to get on a patient support forum Mm -hmm. because you think you're the only one having problems. You think you're going crazy. Right. But on the forums, you find out that, no, your experience is totally normal and totally common. And completely different from how those in addiction recovery are perceived by both the public and many healthcare professionals. In the recovery industry, once you are accused of being an addict, Mm -hmm. if you in any way try to argue that, they say, oh, you're just in denial, which is another symptom of addiction. Yes, yes. Very, very difficult. And how do you feel about policymakers, uh, doctors, even the public saying, Angelica, you can get along without that opioid. In fact, if you stop it, you'll realize that you really never needed it. Well, since we can't prove our pain, what are we supposed to do? Right. Anything we say to argue with the fact that we need opioids is seen as drug-seeking, a sign of addiction. I know there was a point when the opioid dose was reduced by 75% for two to three months, and I hate to say it, but I can see how that would make patients consider suicide. I really thought I would have to kill myself. It wasn't like I wanted to. I just thought I would have to. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty depressing thought right there. Yes, it is. And by the way, you know, the risk of suicide nearly doubles for those with chronic pain. Angelica, are you afraid that you'll be denied access to opioids in the future? All the time. And even cancer patients are being turned away. I mean, cancer has always gotten the green light. It has. I mean, and things are really getting bad now. I mean, I don't really want to say it out loud, but I just cannot envision a life living with this kind of pain. Yeah. And finally, what should we all realize about opioid therapy for treating chronic pain? Opioids don't make pain patients high, mm-hmm. unless you're taking way too much. Right. Opioids are in the same chemical class as our own native endorphins. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that get used up against the pain we feel from 
well, a cut or a bruise or whatever. If you have pain, your endorphins are completely depleted, so the opioids only put back what should have been there. Great summary, Angelica, and what a valuable discussion. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be able to get the word out. Don't go away. Maya Solovitz, author and journalist who's written much about this war on drugs, is up next. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Maya Solovitz is a journalist and Soros Justice Fellow this year. She's the author of the upcoming book called Unbroken Brain, a revolutionary new way of understanding addiction. Maya, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you so much. On our last show, we talked about your article in Vice Magazine about how the war on drugs is hurting chronic pain patients and how this war is stigmatizing patients who use opioids therapeutically as addicts. Uh, Maya, the DEA says that doctors have nothing to fear as long as they're prescribing controlled substances for legitimate medical purposes. And and say only a small number of doctors have been identified for improper opioid prescribing. Doctors are in a terrible bind here. And I think one of the things that, that is so distressing to me about this whole thing is just that Basically, we are selecting for the least compassionate doctor. Mm -hmm. If you're compassionate and you get fooled, you're suddenly a drug dealer. You don't have to have a criminal intent for some of these prosecutions because they can decide what a legitimate medical purpose is. But, I mean, I think the only answer to this, really, is the DEA should have nothing to do with medicine. Right. And, in fact, I've heard some say that they feel that the FDA should be solely involved. Now, the rate of deaths from heroin overdose has quadrupled between 2002 to 2013. Even the CDC director mentioned that the escalating use of opioids led the way for heroin addiction. What's your impression of that argument? That's absolutely true. It just didn't come from pain treatment. The people who went from prescription opioids to heroin were your classic drug misusing group that... Um, always went to heroin in the first place. Yeah, now that's an interesting concept that I think most people don't realize. Now, Maya, there are several experts who've estimated the risk of addiction in the general population to be around 10%, and some researchers have concluded that it ranges from 3 to 19% in patients with chronic pain, but it may be even lower, uh, maybe somewhere between 3 to 5% in patients who do not have a history of substance abuse, based on other research. When you say an addiction rate in the population of, say, 10 to 20%, mm-hmm. what you're talking about is cross all drugs except for tobacco. So that would mean alcohol, opiates, cocaine, other stimulants. So Mm -hmm. that rate is sort of a general substance misuse, substance addiction rate. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes it more complicated is just that addictions are sort of social as well as medical, and fashion will sort of play a role in whether you will be getting addicted to heroin or alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, On the doctor's end, I think that many of us could probably do a better job of screening patients for the risk of substance abuse and for psychiatric illnesses that predispose to opioid misuse and abuse. And I try to ask patients about a history of substance abuse, certainly before considering opioids as a therapy. 
Now, Maya, I know you've researched this. What's the greatest predictor of opioid misuse? It is actually having a history of uh, addiction or, or heavy drinking. Um, I mean, the other one is mental illness, but that is also, you know, 50% of all people with addiction, at the least 50%, have a coexisting and usually pre-existing uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm, exactly. Amaya, where are most people who are misusing opioids getting them? They're getting them from their friends and families and, you know, their parents' medicine cabinet, like 80%. Mm-hmm. At the CDC press conference recently, somebody asked um, whoever was speaking about, you know, whether most people got their drugs from a prescription or not. And they basically said, yes, they got them from a prescription. They didn't mention that 80% of the time it was someone else's prescription. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure if that was a deliberate misstatement. Mm-hmm. It just seems weird to me that the CDC doesn't trust this stuff. They really don't want to, like, go there. Yeah, and I don't know why, because I think that they should. And, you know, at the same time, we're trying to educate patients about proper, safe storage of their opioid medications so they aren't diverted. And, by the way, you know, I can hear the DEA saying, well... Those who are misusing opioids have not been prescribed the opioid, but access to them exists because doctors have been prescribing more opioids for pain. Therefore, we need to reduce the supply of opioids available. Right, right. And I mean, you know, it's like we also don't really know much about high-level diversion. Mm -hmm. You know, what plants are running an extra you know, <laughs> an extra 30,000 pills or what, you know, and what trucks are disappearing. Mm-hmm. There are these high-level opioid types. If you just also think about, you know, what's coming out of China in terms of the so-called legal highs, mm-hmm. supply is a useless way to get at this. If we want to help people and we want people to be healthy, we have to deal with the people's need to escape and right. why they feel so miserable because they're always going to find something. Very true. We're up for a break, but please stay with us because when we come back, we'll find out what patients are doing who cannot get opioids for pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Amaya, what are you hearing that patients are doing whose doctors refuse to continue prescribing opioids for them? Well, usually they go home and suffer or, you know, they find another doctor. Mm -hmm. The sad thing really is that if an addict gets cut off by a doctor, that addict usually knows how to go to the street and has other sources. A pain patient, on the other hand, since they are a legitimate pain patient and they are not buying drugs on the street, they don't have other sources. Right. So they will just be disabled. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. And I wonder if many still wonder whether it's a supply problem. I mean, for example, there are about 200 million prescriptions for opioids filled each year in the United States. Well, again, you might reduce the supply and you might get a few less kids taking opiates with their alcohol on Saturday nights, which is good since it will reduce overdose rates. But you are not going to dent addiction that way because addiction is not caused by drugs. And countering the idea that opioid addiction and overdose result from a doctor's prescription, 
Tell us what some of the new research is finding. I mean, for example, I think uh, only about 13% of emergency room opioid overdoses had a chronic pain diagnosis in a recent study. And again, this is not surprising because most people who are misusing opioids are just street drug users, basically. Um, And that doesn't mean they're not wonderful people who deserve help, um, but it does mean that they're a different population in general. That's right. Now, what can be done to allow chronic pain patients access to opioids if they need them? I think, you know, the way to deal with this is really to focus on the fact that we need to help the people in front of us, not the anonymous addict out there who we think this person might turn into. Right. Or the, um, you know, the, the DEA or anybody else. Like, we need to, like, you know, help people who are here in pain now. Exactly. Focus on the patient. Amaya, do you feel that the media's slant on opioids is improving? People are starting to realize, A, how bad it is for chronic pain patients at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, B, that... Gee, you know, we're starting to think it's dumb to lock up people for using marijuana. Maybe it's dumb to lock them up for using heroin. Well, yeah, I mean, the government's concern is that opioids like Vicodin and OxyContin are being abused for illegal and non-medical purposes. What's a good solution to that problem that that also protects access to these drugs for patients like Angelica? Well, again, like, I, I think that we really need to understand that a medication itself is not an evil thing or a good thing. Mm -hmm. If the drug is allowing you to function well, why should anybody else care what's in your body? It's almost as if we say that, well, because this person has this drug running through their veins, they are a bad person. And I don't care how well the drug is allowing them to be there for their family and do their work and everything else. That that drug is evil. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's like as bad as racism. It's ridiculous. But until we realize that context matters in drug misuse, we're going to, you know, sort of continue having these issues. And, you know, I mean, they, they just developed a way to make yeast make morphine. Mm-hmm. You think that's going to stay in the lab? That is not going to stay in the lab. Right. Once people get a self-reproducing uh, source of their drug at home, the entire <laughs> system is going to be in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be, you know, thinking of this in the long term and recognizing that, like, Unless we realize that the problem is in the person, not the drug, we're just going to keep spinning our wheels, keep locking up people, keep making people's lives worse, not helping medicine, you know, making pain patients miserable. We just need to focus on what the real problems are. Exactly. And no one ever seems to be able to address the real problem. Maya, what should we bear in mind about the war on opioids? That a war on drugs is a dumb idea. It's just like a war on soap for OCD. (laughs) We need to, you know, have compassion for people. We don't need war. We need peace. And we need to recognize that addiction is a health problem Mm -hmm. like anything else. And putting a criminal justice frame on it just causes more problems than it helps. Mm -hmm. And finally... What's on the horizon for those in pain and needing opioids? You know, if you have a good doctor, stay with that person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, and that, you know, thankfully a lot of people really do, a lot of doctors really do care about their patients and are willing to take this risk. Mm -hmm. I also think that, um, you know, any doctor who prescribes opioids, particularly for a lot of chronic pain patients, has got to keep the best records in the world and Mm -hmm. has got to, you know, keep every bureaucratic T crossed and I dotted 
um, so that, you know, there's absolutely no question that they are doing this as a medical practice. Very, very true. And I hope that our discussion will bear much more light on the facts related to opioid abuse in pain patients, and more specifically, that we shift our focus away from limiting opioid supply to finding a better understanding for the reasons behind escapism. Maya, it was a pleasure having you as a guest today. Oh, thank you. Hopefully this was useful. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely was. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.